0: Welcome to this week's episode of Church Unscripted. As you can see in front of us, we're using the table that has been part of our series here at Brookside, and um, if you like these videos or you've spent a lot of time watching them, um, you can hit the subscribe button, and then every week... Um, hit, the notif- uh, hit the notification button. You get notified every week to watch the episode. So um, we're excited you're here with us. Um, if there's something that comes up, make a comment below, and then maybe we get to answer that question or that thought next week. Um, I'm excited that Pastor Eric's here with us, and Courtney, our women's ministry lead. And we are ready, Eric, to talk about the table,
1: the table is right here. It's almost Isn't done. Isn't it pretty awesome? It's, uh, yeah, it's it's really full. It's really fun uh, to see a project when you start from just like um, you know uncut, unclean slabs of wood, and then you see it over the process of time uh, being built into a table. And I think that's. It's nice when when you can do something that has immediate results like that. And I think that's kind of what God loves about the process of our own transformation is he is he sees us as somebody who was you know at one point broken or or lost and then he sees us as a completed table. like we are whole and we are uh, healthy and we are uh, made alive in him. so I think I think really the table doesn't just represent the hospitality theme of the whole series. it represents what, what God wants to do through our entire lives in the, the part, the process of making us more and more like Jesus. So, yeah, uh, yeah I'm glad we get it's to ex- use it. It's
0: exciting. So, I was going to ask you. My first question was actually for you, Courtney. Sorry, I'm leaving you out. For the First question, <laughs> but my first question is, can you kind of give us a summary of Sunday? So, maybe if some of some people watching have missed Sunday morning this last Sunday. Um, and haven't had a chance to watch it, or maybe they're gonna watch it after this. But what, what's what's a summary of what you preached on Sunday morning so we can kind of unpack that a little bit?
1: Absolutely. So Luke chapter 14 is where we found ourselves, really worked our way through chapters, or, sorry, verses one through 24. Uh, and it's, it's the setting of Jesus was invited to the home of a Pharisee again for dinner, but it wasn't because the Pharisees wanted to build a friendship with Jesus. They tried to put him, as they always do, they tried to put him in an environment they can control and manipulate for the purposes mm-hmm. of, arguing, debating, and then accusing Jesus. And they wanted to do this forever to discredit him and kind of take him off the scene um, because Jesus has become their arch rival. He is the one that is undercutting all the foundation that they've had in their life. And so they don't like him. And so they invited him. And when Jesus gets there, he discovers that there's a man with dropsy in front of him. And, and we discover that he's a plant by the Pharisees. Uh, so that they can see what Jesus is going to do. I mean, it's the Sabbath. You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, which in that case is healing somebody. You can't do that on the Sabbath. They wanted to see if Jesus was going to heal the person or obey the Sabbath. Jesus has a, a great set of uh, questions for them. At the end of the day, he heals uh, this man, sends him home, and that leads Jesus to presenting this um, unique scenario through a couple of parables of um, how to really approach jesus um do you approach him with an arrogance that says i don't need you or a humility that says i'll take whatever you can get me Um, and if you do that you'll find yourself satisfied and filled and um um, and full of peace because that's what jesus does for us when he enters our lives and so that's kind of a a very rough summary of what we talked about Mm -hmm. yeah
0: okay Mm -hmm. so that first part the pharisees you know when i was a kid i used Mm -hmm. to sing this song um, it was went something like this, which I am not a singer, so this we should is the have only him sing time right
1: now. No, no, go ahead,
0: sing it. So, so, so no, yeah. no, no, no. Um, I don't want to be a Pharisee. Was the lyric? I remember that. Yeah. yeah, because they're not fair, you see. Oh my goodness! Right, and they the definitely rhyme. weren't fair to Jesus in yeah. Luke chapter fourteen. Right. So, um, I I feel like there's a lot to unpack here. So I want I want to have a uh, great conversation. So what, Eric? Um, maybe none of us know this. Dropsy seems like a little bit like leprosy, but what? they're, they're tricking him. Right. So how do you think the man that had dropsy felt when he was invited to dinner with Jesus?
1: Well, I, I can't imagine that that he was cued into what the real intent was. I'm, I'm confident they didn't say, Hey, we need you to come to this dinner because we're going to use you as a pawn. I mean, I mean, he already knows he's been a pawn in so many people's lives before, but I'm, I'm imagining they tricked him. Say, hey, listen, we want you to come to this dinner table and we got food for you and the celebrity named Jesus is gonna be there. He might even heal you. And uh, I I imagine that they befriended him in a manipulative kind of way to get him to come. Uh, I bet he had no idea why he was really supposed to be there. Hmm.
0: Well, and, and the first thing that Jesus says, because the he's right in front of him is is it lawful to heal on the sabbath or not so like right. he's calling him out I'm, I'm sure the tension was pretty high I mean Courtney what do you what would you feel if you're invited to be with Jesus and you realize it's a bait and switch yeah
2: um I mean I would feel used for sure and it doesn't feel good to feel used mm-hmm. but also I have to wonder too because did Jesus rescue him by first healing him and then sending him on his way like mm-hmm. now go because it's not a safe place for you here. Oh,
1: I see what you're saying. Like Um, get out of a bad environment. Because he didn't stay
2: for dinner. It doesn't sound like it says, but they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Yeah. So I feel like Jesus kind of rescued him in that moment. But, um, So he rescued
0: him in two ways from the awkward situation, but also through his healing. Absolutely. Um,
1: Hopefully they had like to go boxes. I mean, that was probably pretty good food.
2: Hopefully they sent him. Yeah, yeah, that's right.
1: (laughs) Here's a to go box.
2: They sent him on his way with food. There
1: you go. We should add to it.
0: It's interesting. Um, that you guys say this, so so Jesus continued after that, yeah. and what he said next was so telling. Mm-hmm. Which one of you, having a son or an ox that's fallen into a well on a Sabbath day, would not immediately pull it, him out? Mm-hmm. I think that's very telling. It's like, uh, of course, all of us would. I mean, Eric, if your kid fell in a well, I you're mean, going I'm, in the oh, well. Yeah. It doesn't I, I don't matter care what, time what it law is. I have
1: to break. I'm going to save his life, right? Yeah.
0: yeah. And so it doesn't. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, have you? Well, let me let me put it this way: Do you think the man with dropsy learned about Jesus's message of humility and authority? Like, what what
1: do you think that man left feeling? Uh, I I think he left feeling full of joy. I mean, I think he came in with the right kind of humility. I mean, that's why I didn't ask the question uh, to the church: Are any of you humble? I think that's a deceiving kind of question. I think the mm-hmm. question should be: Have you been humbled? And yeah. I think you can't become humbled until circumstances force the arrogance and pride out of you. And the reality is some of us have enough money and clout and opportunity that we can avoid crisis circumstances uh, so that they don't humble us. Mm-hmm. And that's actually a dangerous thing to experience because now mm-hmm. you're not in the condition necessary to receive from Jesus what he really wants to give you. Mm -hmm. Um, because you're not in a humbled state to actually want it. So I think he came humbled because of his dropsy um, um, disease. And when he left, he felt more satisfied and filled up than he's uh, ever been because it wasn't just a physical healing. The perspective wasn't Mm -hmm. just a physical healing. It's now I have a right relationship with God Mm -hmm. because it was perceived that he had dropsy because he sinned. He had this Mm -hmm. disease because he somehow did something to put himself out of favor with God and Jesus just put him back in favor. With God, so I can't imagine him walking out of there um, with any shortage of just sheer joy and peace and contentment. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, if you're in the presence of Jesus, how could you walk away without all of that?
0: Yeah, you know? very true, very yeah. true. I, I guess
1: was, actually, I'm I'm going to throw that question back to you guys. I mean, has, <laughs> has has there been a situation in life where you came into a circumstance or came from a circumstance that was extremely humbling? Mm-hmm. And as a result, you saw how Jesus rescued you from that situation and brought you to a place of, I don't know, peace or contentment or satisfaction.
2: Yes, so many.
1: (laughs) Okay, so many.
2: So many. Um, I think too, like the man wasn't trying to heal himself, but I think you said, if we have enough money, if we have a savings account that has a cushion, then we're self-sufficient. So when a problem arises, then we can solve our own problems. And he was there humbly because he couldn't solve that problem, but Jesus did. So, uh, oh my goodness, I have been through so many different things where I had to come to the end of self in order to receive humbly his gift or someone else's gift from him. And I mean, countless times and ways I could think, uh, especially our move over here from California in where we were basically kicked out of a house and then didn't know where to go, didn't know where to live. And so we ended up here and God has been so gracious, not only to lead us here through a very humbling experience, um, but then we got here and still questioned, what did we just do? Um, You know, when the car broke down in the parking lot, I feel like this is a broken record, but literally we're here already Mm -hmm. and we're going, were we not supposed to come? And then, we realized it's not ourselves we're supposed to be reliant on like we're still in this position to rely on God and he's mm-hmm. he makes he is our sufficiency I don't know you know what I'm trying to say
0: absolutely yeah. yep so
2: absolutely. so Courtney um, yeah
0: you were just sharing with us before you started about speaking on Jonah and yeah. so sometimes I feel like this is a battle of being a little bit like Jonah like none of us want to be humbled and yeah. I found the, the time that I've been humbled the most Are tend to be things that were more humbling because I ran from them first. Yeah, you know, if I'm honest, and
2: we all do that. Mm.
0: And so it's like you're you're running from it, and then you start to realize that God is bigger than any authority you think you have, or Mm -hmm. any any pride or anything Mm -hmm. like that. Um, You know, I remember um, getting out of seminary and thinking I'm going to conquer the world do you notice that statement doesn't include anything about God? All right. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to pastor here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And yeah, those are great aspirations, but those are also things that like, if they come between you and the humility that God wants for you um, are really bad. And so God took one step by one step humbling me. I remember um, feeling rejected for you know, ministry job and then project from this and then working in social work for a while and then finding this thing and that thing. And I started realizing that God had everything in its time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and most of the things that were the best for me were the things that I needed to wait to receive. Mm-hmm. And so that's what breeded some humility. Cause I really had no control over it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think of, uh, things that bring humility. um, In my childhood having a parent that was chronically ill you know Mm -hmm. and those moments where i'm like you have to take care of your parent or something something to that nature or you have um moments like now with um our son there's like a constant anxiety of like okay what's next or Mm -hmm. the unknown like when there's unknown circumstances that's a heavy weight
1: yeah
0: um and it's very humbling because it's like i think humility is actually uh, dying to self, I mean, that's, that's scripturally, you'd say part of it, but it's also, um, I think, coming coming to grips and with the reality of your limitations. Mm-hmm. And so your limitations, but in your limitations, there's the infiniteness of God's Holy Spirit to guide you. So I feel mm-hmm. like that's kind of the balance. Mm-hmm. Um, but humility is never, like, well, I shouldn't say never fun. Um, it doesn't when, I look, when I look at the picture of Jesus, I don't think it's fun. Like when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's yeah. bleeding yeah.
1: Right.
0: like sweat, blood, tears, you know, like everything. So um, I don't think that's very easy. So I'm going to ask you this a lighter question because that was a very heavy
1: question. Yeah, it sure was. Yeah, just, <laughs> you like to start these things really heavy. Yeah, I know. I, I went
0: really deep said, there, but exactly. How, how do you personally define, and I want both of you to answer the success in life behind, beyond financial freedom or career achievements? I mean, there's, and we're talking about the Great Banquet and some of that right there, But, but what, what, how do you personally define that success? What's, what's different than financial or career achievements?
1: Um, on Sunday evening, last Sunday evening, we had our small group and um, uh, some close friends of ours. Um, she said that her grandfather is about to pass away and he's about 92 years old. And, uh, and so the kids and the grandkids, as much as they're able, they're trying to surround him. Um, and our friend mentioned something that her grandfather said that really kind of struck me and it really defined uh, success for me beyond uh, career success and those kind of things. And in 92, he said, you know what? My greatest dream right now is that I will go to sleep and wake up in heaven and see Jesus. And I just thought, man, it's gotta be an incredible uh, feeling to get to a place in life where the only thing that you care about is seeing Jesus face to face. And it's not because he had he didn't care about anything else in life. I mean, he cared about raising his kids and being there for his grandkids and being successful in his career to provide for his family. And it's not like any of that wasn't true. But I think when you get to a place where you can look back on your life and say, I was faithful to my wife, I was faithful to my husband, I was faithful to my kids, grandkids, um, I kept integrity, I had character. Um, I stayed faithful to Jesus. If you can look back and say that stuff, regardless of how much money's in your bank account or how many uh, plaques are on your wall, you can can say that is a successful life. And now all that is left to me is to see Jesus face to face. Mm -hmm. This is kind of what Paul says when he says, I have run my race, I have kept the faith. Mm -hmm. And now what is in store for me is a crown of righteousness that I receive on that day. And I thought, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, at forty right now, I'm not ready to go. <laughs> I feel like I still need to. I need. I need to raise my family with my wife. I want to see my grandkids. I want to see all of them married and all. Um, I still have more ministry I want to do. But there's going to be a point where I'm going to say, you know what? I just can't wait to see Jesus. I don't know. That's success to me. That's good. Uh, Courtney's like now. Uh, what do I add yeah, to that? Yeah, I
2: mean, I think that's really good. Um, I would say successes because we can't, we're not gonna be perfect. So that's the only thing that I would say to what you just said. Like I'm sure. probably not gonna get to the end of my life and realize I did everything right, yeah. but God's grace is there for me. And I think, it's the, I think it's the greater revelation and awareness of his presence in my life, um, the older I get or the harder lessons that I learn. And I do learn things the hard way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's finding that no matter what, we're going through or what may come up, the faith is that he has something good planned um, in my favor. So I guess what I'm getting at is the success for me would be like feeling joy, despite whatever it is that we're going through, Mm -hmm. um, and peace. And maybe that's partly my personality type, I think it is, Mm -hmm. but feeling joy and peace in the mundane things that we have to do, you know, you go to work and you come home and you're tired. It's just a, it's just a, um, there's a joy that elevates up from that when you know that you are right with God. Like the man probably felt when he left healed. Um, just knowing that who who you's, who's you belong to, who mm-hmm. you belong to, whose you are. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing that I am a child of God and his plans for me are good, um, but he, you know, his mercy looks different. So sometimes his mercy is disciplining me, and sometimes his mercy is um, blessing me. So I think it's a mindset of peace and joy. Mm-hmm. All of that to say, good. Does wow. that make sense, John? Or are you confused? It did. No,
0: I was thinking, Eric, you were talking about end of life goal, right? And you talked more about present day so you kind of had the same answer but it just looked a little bit different that's why i was kind of so i i think really um it comes down to something that my mother-in-law says um and it's almost like a mantra when you're really ticked off at someone okay (laughs) so so Mm -hmm. it's like this is of note eternal significance Mm -hmm. finding the things that are eternally significant and Mm -hmm. focusing on them i think is really what's where success is found if you look at scripture and you look at the life of jesus and if you want to model yourself after jesus he clearly had the end game in mind Yeah. He clearly had eternity in mind. I mean, the stuff, the way he responds to them and these parables, I'm just like, he, he was thinking mm-hmm. about what's coming next. Yeah. Um, in our world of instant gratification, that is swimming upstream. That's like being salmon and going the wrong direction. It's not, it's not gonna happen. Sure. Like whatever, whatever fish swims upstream, that's who we are as Christians. And I think that's what um, is, is basically success. I mean, it doesn't mean being offensive to people. It means finding things that are eternally significant. Sometimes people are going to come to you with things that you disagree with, mm-hmm. but it's not eternally significant. So you're just like, eh, yeah. I'm not going to argue with them. I'm, I'm going to stay the course. So I, I do have another heavy question, Eric, now that okay. we, <laughs> we started with a pretty heavy question, sure. um, some of those. Can you share a time where you experienced significant disappointment, significant disappointment that made you question the foundation that you built your life on? Not for you, Eric. I can answer first if I've thought about it. Go a little ahead. bit. <laughs>
2: you
1: guys are both like... Yeah, you got to answer ugh. that first and then
0: we can... Okay. That's a heavy
2: yeah. one. So
0: I think, I think the moment that that's happened is when I experienced a lot of suffering at a young age. So um, if I'm finding a timeline, right? I believe it was when I was 17 and there was like three major events in a week and it made me question everything. So what I did is I dug deeper. I think that the Christian response to questioning the foundations of what you believe is to dig deeper into what you believe Mm. and not run from it so that's the difference between someone that does stay faithful and Mm. finds that final significance and and success and someone that doesn't and um yeah I, i i remember distinctly my dad's kidneys failed the second time and i was like 17 and i'm like uh here we go again you know i remember the last time this was terrible Um, I had a girlfriend that broke up with me, but now uh, (laughs) he asked my wife, it was inconsequential, but like at the time it mattered, (laughs) you know? Um, and then my grandma, one of my grandmas passed away at the Mm. same time. And that was like seven days. And I just remember being like, this sucks. Mm. Like I am in so much pain right now, emotional pain. I'm getting hit from all these different angles, not really knowing how to deal with it. In my 17 year old mind, again, most of us have kids. I mean, Courtney, you have a 17 year or, or older than 17. Wait, mm-hmm. yeah. So mm-hmm. so imagine them coping with all these things. It's like, yeah. okay, what am I going to do? And so for me, it was that made me question the foundation, but it also made me cling to the foundation. And I think that's like a little bit of a different way of looking at it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Eric's like, I um, what do I, do? I mm-hmm. can keep thinking. Okay.
2: Um, I do have one and I've experienced this a uh, few times. Um, more than I would have liked to, but the pain of losing a child, um, that you're pregnant with, I mean, the pain of losing a living child that's already been born is awful too. And I haven't experienced that. Um, so one in particular, we were expecting and we had told everyone that we were expecting and we had told our kids and our kids, we have six kids, we should just preface it with that. <laughs> um, some of the older ones were like, well, why would God give us another kid? Like this is so many years later. And so I explained, God like, God has a plan for each human. He's It was me having to explain why God was allowing a pregnancy for one. Then we lost it. And then the same child said, so, You explained to me, you know, why God did choose to give us another child, but now that's not happening. And so it was my anguish on top of having to explain to an almost adult child, like why this was happening. And we can't really know why that happens, Um, but the pain of it does rock you and cause you to question. Um, This doesn't feel good, but God is you know God is in control so you do it's almost like you have to if your foundation is strong enough like these table legs then you know you're gonna make that choice to feel your feelings and process the pain and the loss and grieve but know that God still has a plan and mm-hmm. God's in control and we, we really have very little to do with any of it so it's a choice uh, a choice you have to make
1: Yeah. I mean, that's our, I mean, I I think in our congregation, um, there's probably far more, especially women who have that same painful experience Mm -hmm. than we probably know. Um, and so I think there's a whole lot of, um, I don't know how you would describe it. Foundations on a potential family or potential Mm -hmm. children Mm -hmm. that just gets ripped out from your life. And that that's, at the very least, disappointing, yeah, disheartening, and extremely painful. Also, describe it. So, mm-hmm. I think you just hit on so many people's experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in fact, Heather and I had that experience. Judah was supposed to be a twin, mm-hmm. uh, and so that was that was far more difficult, I think, for Heather than for me. But man, that, if it was that hard for me, I can't imagine what it was like for Heather.
2: Yeah,
1: um, and for so many other women in our congregation Mm -hmm. for that. I mean, there's, I think given any kind of time, so many of us would think of a list Mm -hmm. of the different situations in life that became disappointing. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right. I mean, every disappointment is, is some kind of figurative, uh, foundation that we've been staking our life on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I listed a few in the message. It was when our home was burglarized, uh, it was, um, it was when I discovered the, the issues with my heart. Mm-hmm. So it's, there, you, could, you could have a list of 10 or 12 in no time. Yeah. And I think it's appropriate to evaluate those things because then you realize, you know what? There has been so many different foundations I've tried to build my life on mm-hmm. that have only disappointed me. And it's not like this is gonna stop. Uh, some of us will get to retirement and realize, you know what? I, I don't have enough money to retire the way I wanna retire. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you'll get to a place in life where right now I am praying and expecting and hoping that all three of my kids grew up to be a fully devoted father of Jesus. What happens if one or some or all of them decide mm-hmm. not to do that? Oh my goodness, how disappointing that mm-hmm. would be. So I think it's, it's, it's not just what has happened, it's what's going to happen in the future that will only further disappoint you and realize that there is no foundation outside of Jesus that is worth standing on because none of them are designed to carry the weight of your soul.
0: So let me ask a sub question. So why is Jesus more appealing? Like, what's the core of that?
1: Like that foundation, you're talking about foundations
0: and like, why is he more appealing?
1: Yeah, because if you have an accurate perspective of Jesus, there's no time in your life where you can say he has disappointed you. Mm -hmm. I think you can have a poor perspective and begin to blame things on him. Like, you know, why did Jesus take my child away? Mm -hmm. Um, um, But I, I think when you begin to understand who he really is, you realize he didn't take your child away from you. Mm-hmm. Um, in that moment, he was perhaps the most gracious and close and compassionate to you than he's ever been. Yeah. And I don't wanna put words in your mouth, mm-hmm. but I, I, I think that's accurate for both Heather and me. Yeah. And so I think you can say, Jesus has never disappointed me. And therefore, because of his past faithfulness, he'll be faithful in our future, mm-hmm. which, which is why throughout the New Testament, a theme has been remember what he's done for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Remember the Exodus. Remember how he provided for you in the desert. And so,
0: okay, I'm gonna pivot pastorally a little bit. This is not even something I was thinking of before this, but what, what it, there's gotta be some people watching here that are thinking, well, Jesus hasn't been faithful. And then if you really dig deeper, you think, well, actually he has been faithful. You're the one who's made these decisions that caused suffering.
1: Could be yeah do
0: you see what I'm saying mm-hmm. so so how do how do we unpack what is Jesus and what is just us making poor decisions I mean like I mean Heather and you had no choice in that Courtney you had no choice in that but there's other things that maybe you do have a choice in that cause suffering to yourselves and so how do we how do we differentiate
1: between the two of those that that's a his questions just keep getting harder. I
2: know. The, I don't, that's a I don't hard like that.
1: question. <laughs> <laughs> just move on to the next one. Maybe we'll move on and we'll come
0: back. We'll come back. That's fair. Come back, that's, come fair. Back. Come back. that's a hard question. So how do you talk to someone? Or maybe, maybe some of us are relying on our relationships to fill that void or that crack foundation in our life. So what would you say to someone that's doing that? Or maybe they're starting to realize they're doing that. That it's about these relationships rather than it's about Jesus. And let me put it this way, you know, I say God, maybe, okay, God, if you're married, your marriage or your family, and then, you know, everyone else or the church, they've put that out of proportion. They put God below the relationships and below those things. So how do, how do we recalibrate that? Or, um, that's not going to fix a crack foundation. We already know that that's a, that's a unsaid truth that we've said so far. Yeah, so. but
1: I think that has to start when your kids are young. Uh, because thankfully, at least the stage that my kids are in right now, they can experience a disappointed foundation and it still not have massive implications on their life. Mm. For example, Judah just said something to me the other day. I thought, I mean, he said, dad, I got something to tell you and, and I don't want to tell you in public. And I thought, oh man, this is going to be a big deal. Like, what's he going to tell me? Mm. Uh, and then later on, he's like, dad, I, I think I'm realizing I'm not going to be in the NBA. And I'm like, what? That was what you wanted to tell me? It's like, so Oh, my goodness. I still think he's got hopes for like D1 basketball or something like that. I don't know. But I mean, I laughed a little bit, but I thought, you know what? In his 10-year-old brain, that's a big deal. Like, that's a disappointment. And so uh, I think he was looking at his future thinking, this is going to be my reality. And it's like, nope, that's not going to happen. And I could have told him that from day one, right? Because neither, anyway. <laughs> yeah. So it's just not going to happen but i think when the disappointment at that age is is fairly trivial it's not going to impact his life at all then you take those as teaching opportunities to say well you know what judah this is not going to be the only time that you're going to be disappointed and so what what does it look like for you to have a future that's not in the nba you know yeah. how does jesus still play a part in that i think that's great for kids when When you're sitting down with a lady at Brookside at a coffee shop and they're going through a crisis and they just tell you, they unload on you. And I know you've done this before. Um, Their entire foundation of life has fallen apart before them. Their marriage fell apart. Their kids turned out to not be what they hoped they would be. Their finances are a mess. How do you encourage them in that situation? You just made my question
0: harder for Courtney. I just like- You're welcome. You're welcome. I think she can handle it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, you know, honestly, people go through hard things um, and you just have to listen. You just have to be there and listen because in a way you're kind of modeling what Christ does anyway with being there and listening and not judging and not swooping in and trying to fix it Um, because you have to let them feel those things. And sometimes when they're just saying it and getting it out- it's losing its power already because they're able to share it in a safe space. So there's that. That's kind of an easy answer to that. But but really you just have to direct them back to um, to God being the one in charge because no matter what we do or say or plan or prepare for or put away for, no matter what we do, it's God who establishes our steps. And, um, and so in that, I think we just have to be able to say this is happening and this happened and we don't know why. This kind of goes back to the other question that we skirted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't know why. We, we could be in the greatest storm of our life and we're unsure if that was a result of sin because mm-hmm. sin causes storms or a bad choice mm-hmm. that we made or someone else near us. It just mm-hmm. spills over onto us sometimes. It's not even our fault. So wait, 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 Courtney. It,
0: Courtney, are you saying that when you sin, it affects your community?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, I
0: just, I, uh, when you said that, th- that's a very deep truth that people sometimes don't realize.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily for us to say, well, why am I going through this? And we want to, like, I want to know why, but we don't get to know why. And we just have to accept that whatever the reason the why is, we can ask God to reveal it to us. Is this something that I brought on myself, Lord? Mm-hmm. Like, I'll be willing to own that. Yeah. I think I'm merging two questions into one though. So back to I'm like another woman, yeah. um, I think my greatest heart for women is to just be there, um, to point back to Jesus, to pray with. Sometimes you just need to be prayed for, prayed with. Um, prayer is really the best thing that we can do for one another. So I'm not I'm not a therapist, I'm not a counselor. Um, but I can listen and I think that's what we need to do for one another is listen and sometimes we won't fully get it the way they get it, but we're not putting that experience back in their face yeah. by trying to solve it. Or
0: so, so I have a story with a kid, but it applies to adults. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna metaf- this is what pastors do, right? You create a story and then you're like, this is the metaphor that I'm trying to you." But um, the other week, uh, my kids' all birthdays are all in September and one in August. The one that was in August took his birthday money, spent his birthday money, right? And so I'm out with the ones that are September. They've all got their $20 they got from grandma, right? And we're at Walmart and we're going to get stuff. And the first one from August, he bought two Nerf guns and he loves his Nerf guns. They're awesome, right? Right, Eric? Yeah, Nerf guns, right? Yeah. So we got Nerf guns. He already bought them. We're back at Walmart with the other three. And the other three are just going through stuff and basically almost 100% just buying candy. (laughs) But I got all four with me. The one that's already spent his birthday money and then the other three. The one that already spent his birthday money gets tears in his eyes and is like, I want to buy candy and like (laughs) like this. So I got down at his level, eye level, and I said, hey, they're going for the quick thing. They're going to eat that and it's going to be done. You got Nerf guns that you can play with whenever you want. I think you bought the better thing. And there's two things that I think this applies to with that that question and and to understand it. One is you got to get at people's eye level and speak to them with dignity. In the case of my son, you're kneeling. Mm -hmm. But in the case of a person, maybe it's sitting down. Maybe it's just listening like Courtney was talking about. Maybe it's something like that and realizing where they're coming from. The second thing is I think all of us need to remind everyone of the long-term eternal significance of things. Like I'm not saying the Nerf gun was anything special, but it was a, in my mind, it was a much better buy. Mm -hmm. They're buying like a bunch of candy that they're going to eat and get sugar high and then be done. And I think a lot of us settle for the candy and forget about the Nerf guns. Okay. Now that's going to be a clip somewhere, you know, the Nerf guns (laughs) instead of candy. But, but, but I think, I think that there's some truth to that because, that's a, a false foundation. We, we want instant gratification. That comes from human relationships rather than a relationship with God. So, mm-hmm. um, but your, your sermon was a lot about humility. There was a lot of talk about humility in it. So I, I really think we need to talk about humility. I, I, would, I would be uh, sad if that wasn't part of what we talked about. So let me ask you guys this. What role do you think humility plays in embracing the abundant life that Jesus offers? What role do you think humility plays? And, and I mean, that's a broad question, so you can unpack it however you want. But what role do you think humility plays? That abundant life. You talk, you talk about the, the banquet and the wedding feast. And when Jesus says, for he who exalt- exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles self will be exalted. So what role does that play?
1: I mean, I don't think you can experience any of the abundant life of God if you don't approach it with humility. I think that is the key that accesses everything about our life in Christ. If you don't have it, then you'll either miss it or you'll just say no to it because your, your, your lack of humility will drive you to something that will only eventually disappoint you again. Mm-hmm. So um, that is why I think as, as hard and unpreferable as it is to experiencing humbling situations, um, on the other side of them, um, you discover that that was something of a gateway to experiencing something of God that you would never have uh, experienced outside of that humbling experience. Um, Which is why it's difficult to answer the question, did God cause this humbling experience or is he simply using it for the good? And I think that's what scripture says. um, Mm -hmm. um, For those who love him and are called according to his purpose, he can make all things work out Mm -hmm. according to the good. Mm it doesn't feel like that, though. It doesn't feel like it at all. But, I mean, that's just that's just the way God works. He loves to take hard situations and turn them into blessings and favor. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think if you don't have humility, you'll miss it altogether. Oh. Courtney, you got any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, um, humility is definitely um, the key to it. I like how you said that it was the key. Um, you have to begin there. And I think partly, like, we can... We can think that we're doing so well. We haven't sinned in a while. Like, in a while. You, you haven't know, sinned in a while? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> a whole 30 <laughs> seconds.
0: I just don't even know
2: it. Yeah. We can feel falsely yeah. good or sure. in right standing with God when I think it's important to assess, like maybe it was last weekend when you talked about David's prayer, search me, O God, mm-hmm. um, and know my heart. And I think when we can reconcile that, who we are without Jesus... And then, humbly go and confess to the Lord, and He forgives. When we have those moments, yes, they're they're hard and they're painful. Um, and I'm thinking of one one instance in particular. But you have those moments, that's just between you and God, and you recognize this is how much He has forgiven me of, or this is just the thing that I brought to Him today, and that was huge Mm. to say out loud which of course we all know he Mm -hmm. knew it already Mm -hmm. but we we humble ourselves by going there to the depths of it and then God's grace meets us there in it and covers it all but we can't really understand the abundance that he can provide if we Mm -hmm. haven't already gone the depth to which he has to fill it up and
1: that's a good analogy
2: yeah like i'm seeing it in my head and i'm
1: doing weird yeah. hand
0: things but we're no, hand be- things i i courtney you can come back anytime <laughs> as yeah. a host here because
1: uh that's a good thought maybe maybe think of something i want to look up keep going okay you're gonna, gonna look, look it up okay
0: <laughs> see this is why it's unscripted this Let's is the try. best part of it right so i i think there there's there's kind of ideas that come around like we've covered kind of your first um take it home. Jesus, should, Jesus should become more appealing than other foundations that crack, you know, like, like that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Jesus is better at lifting you up than you are at lifting yourself up. I think yep. that's, those are both true. Um, this last one we haven't really talked much about, and that's if you feel you're the last person invited to a banquet, then you're the first person he sent an invitation to. And I think that's really important. So how do you see the concept of being in the presence of Jesus influencing our daily decisions and priorities? So being in the presence of Jesus, we're invited to the banquet, clearly. You know, we might feel like we're the last one invited to the banquet, but we're invited to the banquet. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so how do you think Jesus influences our, the presence of Jesus influences our daily decisions and priorities?
1: I, mean, I think it's got to give you more confidence going into the daily rhythms than you would if you go into them without Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you've got a meeting or a um, that, that you know is going to be difficult. Mm-hmm. Knowing that Christ is not only with you, but he's going before you mm-hmm. uh, through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Then all of a sudden you walk into that meeting far more confident and humble than if you did not first see that. Yeah. Because now it's just you going into it and it's like you against the world. Uh, but now it's you and Jesus. Yeah. And it's not that it, it, he makes it you guys against the other person. But what he does is you're confident that he can bring the best solution out of whatever that conflict's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think just recognizing that his presence is there gives you a confidence that doesn't turn you into arrogant. It mm-hmm. still makes you humble, uh, but it makes you confident. In fact, the, some of the people I have the most respect for in life are the people who, it's not their strong personality, it's the people who have come to a point where there's a level of confidence and humility married together because they have walked so long with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I I just respect that so much.
0: What were you looking for now? I'm curious about what verse? I was, <laughs> in
1: Philippians, it's three. Uh, it's an, actually, it's the wrong verse. So I, I clicked on the wrong one. Keep so you're, you're killing me, yeah. Yeah. you're killing Keep me, looking. man. It's, I think he. I think this is where Paul says, I consider myself nothing Except that I might know Christ and Him crucified, Mm and um, I think no, he considers all things nothing. Or Scubala, I think yeah, it is. Basically, he's cussing. Yeah, let's just be honest. He's (laughs) looking at everything else in his life: his accomplishments, (laughs) his positions, his status, his fame, his writings, everything. He's like, you know, I consider all that nothing compared to knowing. And he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. His, oh, he himself. was himself. Yeah, from the right tribe. So I think he's he's learning. He has learned what we've just been talking about. Hmm. It's that it's you come to a place where everything else that you would stand on is is not worth uh, the foundation that it presents itself to be.
0: So not to, not to skip you on that question, Courtney. But I have one last question. Can we, we're not going to do a lightning round this week because I felt that would be unfair to Courtney this week. But <laughs> we did a lightning round the last couple weeks. But um, what are some common barriers you think? prevent people from fully, I I use that word specifically, fully um, acknowledging their need for Jesus's presence and power in their lives. What are some barriers, do you think? We talked about foundation, you know, cracked foundations and things like that. What are some barriers?
2: I think it's a very, very strong sense of independence and that not really realizing what submission is just yet. Or maybe it's kind of like an onion and you're peeling back layers of submission throughout your life and you... But,
0: but Courtney, submission is a dirty word in our culture. Mm-hmm. So what, what do you mean by submission?
2: Um, it's not, it's, it's not my, my will or my
1: mm-hmm.
2: idea. It's, I think you can know when it's God's idea and that's something to fight for, but you could, I think you know when this is like, but this is my way. That I'm trying to fight for, and so instead of fighting for my way and trying to solve it my way, or um, to create something that I can't create, which we don't want to do. Submitting there is a- to the Lord in His will and His yeah uh, yeah I forget what the I'm
0: only saying it's like. a I'm only saying it's a dirty word in the sense that like people don't like using it they don't want to submit to each other. Right. Like when it talks no, about mutual yes. submission to no, the honor. Bible. That's
2: it's nice. um, respect and honor. And um, what are I forget the, what was our question. What are the
0: barriers? What are the barriers, the barriers that prevent right. people from right. fully acknowledging the presence and power of Jesus?
2: I had a pastor who so submission say, is one. Yeah. Um we all have a God-shaped hole in our hearts. What are we going to fill that with? we have to fill it with God. And if we don't, we will just keep finding another thing to fill it, another thing to fill it. And in some ways that we try to fill it with ourselves. Like we want our way. We want, um, we want what we want rather than what would be best for us. Does this make any sense? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I think a barrier is for one, ourself, for two, what we, what we perceive that we need or want, whether it's a physical thing or. Um,
0: are you saying a lot of our our, need, our needs or things we desire are actually wants?
2: Right, um, yeah, yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I think we don't realize that we need to actually lay it at the feet of the cross. Like just put it there and then ask the Lord Is it for me or not for me? Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think, uh, depending on the circumstances, there's any number of things that can cloud your view of Jesus' presence. Yeah. Um, I think one of the reasons that God gave Isaiah this incredible vision of, of God sitting in his, in his throne with the train of his robe, filling the temple and the whole temple filled with smoke of the glory of God is, is because he was living at a time where the name of God was held in low honor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so if, if that's everything that you see in your daily life, then that's going to affect your spiritual perspective. And so it's a matter of recognizing, all right, what is the circumstances and of the environment around me? What's it telling me? And then, uh, the best way to counter that to keep an accurate view of the presence of God is is by staying in Scripture. And so when I see through the news that the world is falling apart, when I go to Scripture, I see that God is still sovereign. Mm-hmm. When I see that relationships are, are broken, I can go to Scripture and I can still see that God is the God of reconciliation. And so it's that's why Scripture is not uh, is, is so critical not just so that you can be a good Christian or a good church person and read it mm-hmm. so you can say you did, but because you but so that you can keep an accurate perspective of reality because what we see in front of us through the six the five five or six senses five senses right
0: yeah, yeah. Um, the sixth it, sense is, is knowing the future. Remember, there's a movie. Oh, I'm just this, kidding. No, I think it's oh, seeing dead people. It, seeing there dead people, yeah, seeing dead mm, people is the sixth sense. We should
1: watch that as a staff. Yeah, oh,
0: <laughs> yeah not at all.
1: <laughs> uh, but it's, it's those things can cloud your spiritual perspective. And, so,
0: yeah. Eric, let me, let me ask you pastorally, though. Like, What I saw, and I think, I think you would probably agree, is there was a profound sense of fear that exposed a spiritual immaturity in our country in 2020. Like it didn't matter what was going on. Someone was fearful about something. Oh, yeah. And so is that yeah. what you're really addressing by what you're saying? Like the sense that oh, like, we, need to, to we oh, need to go back to the word. We need to go back to the word. We need to go back to the word.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it, it, from all perspectives, the world was falling apart. I mean, it was doom and gloom no matter where you turned. Um, and everything shut down, not just your company, your business, but all society shut down. So there was no healthy future perspective that came from that, unless you kept your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, who could say, even in this, I'm still in charge. And even in this, I can still provide for you. So I think the people that focused more on their faith in Jesus rather than a political or uh, a societal kind of fix, they came through COVID um, with far more joy and Mm -hmm. confidence than everyone else.
2: And I think too, there were two types of people, probably those who dug in to the Mm -hmm. word to, to hear from God. Mm-hmm. versus those who did it yeah, i just absolutely.
0: wanted to argue with everybody absolutely. else <laughs> yeah. well and so i i think that's hard you presented you uh were telling us basically the barrier is almost your will and desire to be in the word like if your will and desire is not to be in the word and you're getting your information from TikTok or youtube or whatever um whatever social media people use nowadays i feel like i'm so old yeah <laughs> you know whatever it is is MySpace uh, still a thing Oh, you just mentioned MySpace. (laughs) Oh, man, I was in junior high. What what are you talking about? So, but uh, whatever that is, if you're receiving your input of information, not from the word of God primarily, that's what you're gonna struggle with. And so um, I guess that's a great encouragement to close with, right? I mean, we we know that there's barriers in your life and there's things that are keeping you from the full presence of God. And we know that some of those barriers are just self-imposed. And so we need to cling to the word of God, cling to prayer, We need to be able to sit down with people, listen to their stories and point them to Jesus. So um, thank you for watching today. Um, We're so glad you're with us at Church Unscripted. And um, this week um, we've got uh, the table here. I think we're gonna have the table with us next week. Hopefully that's, I'm excited about that. Um, But if you're watching with us, please subscribe, hit the notification um, bell, and uh, comment below with questions if you have questions about this or maybe another um, episode of Church Unscripted. And we'll see you next week.